Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Jones Podcast, where we show off our enthusiasm and well Jones for fantasy sports to help you win your league, because we really care about ourselves. Now let's Jones some fantasy. Here's Carlos Marion and Frank Amarante. Talking some football on the Fantasy Jones Podcast. This is what we do here. Frank Amarante at Frank TFJ. Frank, tell us what the hell's going on with Julio. Is he going to pop off on his new team, the Tennessee Titans? I don't I don't think he's gonna pop off, but he's still gonna be a presence and he'll be a he'll be a strong wide receiver too. The biggest bump in value goes to Ryan Tannehill just because he'll now be throwing to two absolute studs on the perimeter in Julio and AJ Brown. But other than that, I think the the next best beneficiary is Derrick Henry because opposing defenses won't be able to stack the box like they would in the past. Maybe Henry's volume will go down a little bit just because they should be more balanced having two great receivers like that. But I'll, I, I like the bump in efficiency. For A.J. Brown, obviously this hurts a little bit for me because he was about to just get a monster workload. He was the only legit target on the perimeter there. I know Julio Jones is going to draw away some coverage, but on a team that likes to run the ball, it's going to be tough to have them maintain their, their, their regular value on this offense. So AJ Brown to me is still elite wide receiver one in the top, in my top five, but I, I originally had him as the number one receiver overall in fantasy heading into this year. So it was a bit of a bump getting Julio. And as for Julio Jones, he's he'll be like a nice wide receiver too in fantasy. His best days are behind him, but he's still a stud. And the Titans, while they'll pass more, they'll still probably in the bottom third in pass attempts per game in terms of teams. So... Uh, Julio Jones's value goes down a bit from leaving from Atlanta to Tennessee. Just because Atlanta's defense isn't good, they like to air it out. They're not a good team. They're going to be playing catch-up. So Julio Jones's value would have been higher there, but it's exciting. It'll be, it'll be cool to see him and A.J. Brown do work in Tennessee. And he wasn't even getting touchdowns. He was just literally getting 200 yards a game. And for some reason, he was never in their game scripts for their red zone. It would just be yeah. Calvin Ridley. That was weird. Yeah, like you would think such a huge receiver, such a specimen, he can make contested catches, he could separate at will. You would think he'd be a monster in the red zone. Hey, maybe maybe the Titans figure out how to properly use him there and maybe he sets a career high in touchdowns. I could actually see that. Like a change in scenery and finally a team understands how to use him in the red zone. You know what I think? I think this was uh, the last draw of the underthrown deep balls by Matt Ryan. That's true. That's true. I think that because that's another one. He was like, remember when Calvin Johnson used to always get tackled at like the five yard line and Julio started getting tackled like right at the five, the two. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, especially because Julio Jones was saying how he wanted to go to a team where he can have a quarterback. What's going on there? Yeah, I agree in the first point you made that it would have been nasty to see the Falcons offense with Julio and Ridley and Pitts. That would, especially with their poor defense, that would have been just fantasy heaven there. But as for Pitts, yeah, this opens up a lot of targets for him. As we've mentioned, he's likely the best tight end prospect ever. 
they'll probably move him around in the slot. They won't use him like a conventional tight end. He'll be in the slot. He'll even line up wide. So I could see him getting over 900 yards this year, maybe even a thousand, even as a rookie, just because the Falcons are going to be one of one. They're, they'll likely be in the bottom third of the NH, of the NFL, <laughs> but um, so they'll have to play catch up. Their defense is still not good. They're going to air it out. They have Mike Davis, who was solid last year, but this is by no means a team that's going to try to pound, pound the rock. So Kyle Pitts is the second option. He'll have plenty of targets and he'll be a beast in the red zone. So he's the only tight ends I'd rank over. It's are Kelsey Waller and Kittle. He's that good. And he's in that good of a situation. Are you taking Julio or Calvin Ridley this year? Like I said, so with Julio Jones going to a, a team where they have AJ Brown and they won't be airing it out as much as the Falcons were, they'll likely be playing with the lead more than Atlanta will. So you, when they, when they have the lead, you'll see them pounding Derrick Henry. So there won't be as much passing volume. And then Ridley, on the other hand, when Julio's been out of the lineup, he's just popped off. He's gone over a hundred yards several times, been a target machine. And I expect that to be the case again this year. I mentioned on Twitter that because I've seen people say they take Ridley as high as a top three, top five receiver. Whereas I don't see that just because I don't think he's as talented as the Tyreeks, as the Diggs, as the DeAndre Hopkins of the world. So I wouldn't put him there, but Ridley is definitely a top 10 receiver while Julio's more in the, let's say 20, like 18 to 20 range, I would say. So I'm taking Ridley. Who else do you have in your top five there? Oh, so my top five. So now I originally had Brown at one. Now I moved Tyreek Hill there because... I mean, he's a beast downfield. He's, he's tied to Mahomes. They have no number two receiver there. It's Nicole Hardman. It's just Hill and Kelsey show. So Hill's my number one. Adams would be right up there. But with the Aaron Rodgers situation, I'm bumping him down. I mean, we don't know how Jordan Love's going to be. Uh, it could be a run-heavy offense, more run-heavy there, I would imagine. And it just does not look like Aaron Rodgers is going back to Green Bay. So we have to downgrade him. The receivers that I would rank over Brown are Hill. Stefan Diggs, we saw him make magic with Josh Allen last year. I would rank DeAndre Hopkins over him because if we look back uh, before Kyler Murray had that shoulder injury, he was just absolutely popping off in fantasy and Hopkins was ranked in the top three receivers and that shoulder injury, injury really derailed Murray and Hopkins season. So I'd still put him ahead of AJ Brown and I'm also putting Justin Jefferson there. Justin Jefferson had a historic rookie season. He put up 1,400 yards as a rookie. That's ridiculous. If we look down stretch, he really became the number one target in Minnesota. He out-targeted Adam Thielen by over 30 in the last, like, 10 games. And the Vikings' defense isn't what it once was. Cousin, as much as they want to be so run heavy, they're going to be forced to air it out at some point. And Jefferson just looks like a superstar. So I'm, I'm putting him at five. I'm... I mean, I'm putting him ahead of Brown now because Julio's there. And Julio's obviously going to take more of a risk to volume than Adam Thielen is at, the stage, at this stage of his career. Like Adam Thielen, you look at his season, you look at his numbers, they're in, his fantasy value is inflated by the 14 touchdowns. We can't really depend on that year over year. He's now 31. I think, the be I think his best days are behind him and Jefferson's going to be there. And I'd put him over Brown now. So that's Hill... Diggs, Hopkins, 
and Jefferson. Then I would put AJ Brown at five. If if Aaron Rodgers somehow decides to go back to Green Bay, then you then I have to leave Adams at number one. He was just unbelievable last year. But because Aaron Rodgers isn't there, I'm ranking Adams around six, just out of respect to how good he is. But may, I might even downgrade him more just because of Jordan Love. It's just such an unproven variable there that it just I don't want to deal with. And also Michael Thomas, excuse me, Michael Thomas looks poised for a bounce back season. I mean, he, the Saints lost Emmanuel Sanders, nothing to upgrade that receiving core or to replace Sanders. And they lost Jared Cook. They have a young tight end, Adam Troutman, who they drafted. The only reason I'm not even higher on him is because there's a risk that they play Taysom Hill and then, you know, they run the ball more. Thomas is right up there. I'd put him ahead of Ridley too, Michael Thomas. Where would Adams fall if, now let's throw out a scenario here with Jordan Love. So now Rodgers is gone. Jordan's in. We hear great, like, great reviews that he's, he looks fantastic. Are you even thinking of drafting, not at this moment, let's say in August, everything looks like he's going to be the starter. He's doing well. Are you even drafting Jordan Love at all? Are you taking a chance on him? Well, Jordan Love, it depends on the league. Let's say it's a best ball league, like one of them on underdog fantasy where the winner wins a million dollars. It's a really popular tournament. In that case, yes, I would target him late as a backup quarterback and try to pair him with Devontae Adams as a stack. Because if you wouldn't have to worry about making a matchup decision when to start Jordan Love in that case, and you tie him to one of the best receivers in the league in Adams. If it's one of our a more conventional format where it's a one quarterback league, 12 teamer. I wouldn't be targeting Jordan love because there's, there's several rookies that I think have more upside, even if love good in the off in the preseason and training camp, I would rather take a late round shot on someone like Trey Lance or Justin Fields or on a higher level, Trevor Lawrence, or even Tua to bounce back. I love what they did in Miami to upgrade his weapons. And I like Daniel Jones just because he can run. He ran for like 500 yards last year almost. And I think Kenny Galladay is a perfect fit for him. So I wouldn't be looking at Jordan Love in that setup. Then there's even those super flex leagues where they have two flexes, the regular running back, wide receiver, tight end, but also a flex that you use a quarterback on. In that case, yes, I'd be targeting Jordan Love because in those formats, any starting quarterback is worth targeting because you need to really make sure you have at least three of them pretty much. But it would be interesting because it's funny you mentioned that I read today that there were reports that Jordan Love was starting to look good in what is in OTAs. So we'll see. Yeah, you, you see the narrative spinning. It's it's beginning. Yeah, I don't know. These guys are in shorts and they always say, oh, look, yeah, he looks fantastic. True. This I watched Sam Bradford look fantastic. He goes... <laughs> training camps and I didn't need to see the rest let's say he's something along the lines of Tua's first year does that does that give you any confidence like I guess not um before the draft but what do you what do you think his numbers would be if he if Jordan Love played at a Tua level and Devontae Adams was his wide receiver one healthy all year well for one, the efficiency would be down a lot by a lot. His red zone, his production in the red zone would go down. So obviously 
we couldn't really project double digit touchdowns for Adams in that case. I mean, last year he had 18 touchdowns in 14 games. So if Jordan Love played at a Tua level, Tua, Tua disappointed last year. You likely see him get a ton of targets still, even though it was a low volume, more balanced, more run heavy offense, where not scoring as many points. I would imagine they just feed Adams and then you'd see players like Alan Lazard just be useless because Jordan Love isn't good enough to support all those receivers. So Devontae Adams would still be, I'd say, a mid-level wide receiver one in that case just because he's that good. He could separate at will. I mean, he was just totally dominant last year. It's just that I can't put him... I can't put him in the same tier as players like Tyree Kill, who have Patrick Mahomes, and Diggs, who has Josh Allen, and A.J. Brown, who, like, he has Tannehill, who's solid, but you have Julio Jones next to him. So I'd, I'd, bump, I'd bump Devontae Adams to around where I have him now, six, seven, six to eight range, probably. I guess uh, that wouldn't change if I said, let's say he played at, like, I'm not saying this great either, but a Daniel Jones level where his first year got 24 and 12, 60, 62%. So you got 24 touchdowns there to spread around. He's not going to get 18 of them. Now you're looking at, okay, now his numbers might be 12, 10 touchdowns, maybe. Let's say he plays like Daniel Jones. Then he would have to be around probably fourth, let's say. Just because Daniel Jones, he did show some upside as a rookie. It wasn't like Tua where he Tua struggled, like he couldn't do much, get anything going downfield. And I'm attributing some of that to him uh, having a weird offseason with the pandemic and with rehabbing the injury, but he wasn't very good. So if it's with Daniel Jones, then I'd say five. But if I'll go even further, if he looks like, let's say Jordan Love somehow looks like Justin Herbert did last year. In that case, then Adams is right back to top three, even not close to number one, because Herbert looked good. And Jordan Love as a prospect coming out was sort of comparable to Justin Herbert because he's that toolsy, big, athletic quarterback who could scramble a bit, but he's raw. So, I mean, you never know. It's highly unlikely. He'll, maybe he'll be, he could be a poor man's Herbert in year one, but... We can obviously bump Adams out of the top 10. He's too good. So after this conversation, I'd even say it opened my eyes a bit because I was thinking maybe I'd bump Adams a little more down if I knew for sure Rodgers wasn't playing. But what you've said makes sense. And and even thinking about it and saying like guys like Lazard would become useless, that adds to the fact that, hey, I can't really bump Adams any further down than six he's just too good yeah that sounds about right because yeah if that herbert point was uh was a good point if it becomes that he's just you know if if that one year of sitting behind one of the greatest quarterbacks ever was you know true that beneficial but you know there's obviously the questions of how beneficial that it actually is you know yeah there's there's probably true. been many quarterbacks that have not succeeded at all kevin cobb mm -hmm. I don't very know why true. I said Kevin Cobb, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's very true. Like to me, I prefer to just throw them in the fire. I don't like to waste their rookie deer deal and start the clock while on that 
huge advantage that you have in having your starting quarterback on such a cheap deal and you're using it you're wasting a year of it with him sitting on the bench even if he's learning i mean let him learn on the field but these coaches have other ideas and obviously you're not playing jordan love over aaron Rodgers. but i wouldn't have taken him in the first place but that's that's another story i mean look what that did to the team it just pissed off aaron Rodgers because the guy has played his hard out through the years he's been a hall of fame quarterback the team has been so conservative and not added enough around him and then all of a sudden they have a draft a first round pick in one of the stacked receiver classes and most one of the most talented wide receiver classes in recent memory and they decide not to trade up not even to stand pat and take whichever one fell to them not only do they not take a wide receiver they take his successor at quarterback like come on i mean that that was just a ridiculous decision like, just imagine last season last year's offense with brandon Ayuk next to Devonte adams like Ayuk looked very good and he would i get it lazard is decent but he's no Ayuk and mvs dropping these downfield bombs and I mean, the fact that the fact that the offense was so efficient and so explosive last year shouldn't make you think why didn't we take a receiver I mean think of how it could have been even better and it could have helped them in the playoffs maybe not in the season but it would have been harder to stop them in the playoffs like the Bucks were able to slow them down so but that's another point well it'll be interesting to see uh, to follow Jordan Love's development as we get closer to the season where is Aaron Rodgers? Like literally, where where is he right now? Do you know? Is he in California? Is he chilling I out there? These, I saw these pictures where he's like on vacation. He's just enjoying himself. He's living life. Yeah, I think he's in Hawaii or something. Yeah, he's with uh, what Miles Teller? Is that's the guy's name? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Living the dream with Hollywood actors. You know, that's what it's all about. You know, this guy wants to live in California. Yeah. All right. So badly. They won't send him to the Niners. They will not. I don't know. I feel like the only place is Denver, AFC, West Coast. Really, where sense. there's there's nowhere else I could possibly think. And if not, you see the reports now that that now uh, every it's it that the Packers are in position with the the most power. They're holding, you know, these reports yeah. that they they have so much power. Yeah. Who? This guy is on a beach right now. He doesn't care yeah. about this power struggle that you have. He won't play. He's like, yeah. they were saying it the other day. It's like $240 million made in the NFL, not with anything else. Like he gives a shit about yeah. like where he plays in this cold ass fucking tundra. It's true. It's true. Uh, that makes no sense to me. And if I'm the, I mean, how can you treat your, such a good player like this after what he's done for your team? Like just, Honor his request. You acknowledge that you messed up and you didn't, you didn't uh, cater to his needs. Because hey, I know you have some people say, "Oh, all these players need to be treated equally." No, they don't. The stars deserve certain, you know, certain treatment. The guy has absolutely torn it up throughout his career. So he wants a receiver. Go get him a receiver. So he doesn't want you to cut some fringe player, Jake Kummerl. So don't do it. What is? What is, why do you have to make it difficult and put, draw this line in the sand? Oh, I'm, I'm the general manager here. I run the show. Like, 
just accommodate your players. They're the ones who's who are going. They're the main factors in winning you championships. Instead, you piss them off. So at least just trade them. Get the most you can for them in a deal. If you need to sort of lower your trade demands to get a deal done, hey, it's better than having them sit out until week four. I say week four because I saw a report that that's where Aaron Rodgers is planning to do hold out until then. It's close to the deadline and then get dealt at that time. But if you wait till then, you're likely uh, seeing his trade value on the open market decrease a bit because other teams see that your hands are tied. So just trade him now. It makes no sense to me. The NFL slowly, I don't know, It's sooner or later it's going to become a closer to what the NBA is. It's, yeah. These guys are just holding down the fort as long as they can. But I don't know about you. I'm starting to notice that these, these general managers, a lot of them, are just random executives that just get, you know, they just get these jobs. To, who knows how, honestly. Like, look at Houston. Like, yeah. literally everybody, everybody disliked this guy. And yet he's the GM. And they keep going with him. And it's, there's no other option. And yeah. if if all the players dislike him, if the quarterback dislikes him, then you know what? Maybe this isn't the proper way to to get these general managers. Maybe this isn't. Maybe getting. Yeah, the, I don't even have a word. Honestly, I don't have words for it because it's like a it's a it's a common thing that's slowly happening in the NFL. It's either it's either their players that get these jobs because of just the fan fandom of of them. Or it's some guy who wasn't even a scout, was a lawyer, and moved his way up, but can make deals. Now, I'm not personally, I'm talking about Howard Roseman, but that's, <laughs> you know, he worked his ass off to get there. But like more guys like him are coming along, and you're seeing this disconnect between the players and, and these guys because these guys are looking at them as, as straight assets, straight like financial assets. To your point about Houston, or that's the worst franchise in the NFL. It might be the worst in sports right now. The way they first they alienate their awesome wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, and now they do the same to Deshaun Watson. They're just pissing away all this talent. Their team is a disaster right now. They're, I believe, they're the oldest NFL team in the league. You would think one of the worst teams, one of the teams projected to finish at the bottom of the league would be rebuilding and have some young players and be unproven. No, they're the oldest team. Their backfield is filled with aging veterans like David Johnson and Mark Ingram. They're starting Tyrod Taylor at quarterback because Deshaun Watson wants no part of that team. And his backup is a third-round pick or fourth-round pick that they just drafted this year. That team is just a, a disgrace. And you saw J.J. Watt get out of there. Yeah, I just saw it's 20, 26.37 years old. Houston Texans. May on May 16th. That was that is wild. You have to you have to be a special kind of incompetent to have your roster be the oldest and the worst. Usually when you have the oldest roster, it's because you're contending, you're trying to win now. You would think if I didn't, if I asked you just off the cuff which team had the oldest roster, you would think maybe the Bucks. You know, they have Brady, they have Antonio Brown. N no, it's the not the defending Super Bowl champions. It's the worst 
team in football. How many? How many? Uh, how many picks did Bill O'Brien trade away in the past like five years? Oh, all their my. first rounders. That's basically why this happened. Yeah. So they traded all these picks to get Laramie Tunsil, the tackle, when they were sort of they were contender for the division, but you wouldn't consider them a Super Bowl contender at that point. So they did overpay there. Then when they realized, hey, we got to switch gears here. Maybe we can't afford keeping DeAndre Hopkins. They trade an actual beast for below market value for David Johnson. What is that garbage? Like, how can you be that bad at at your job? And that just speaks to the going back to what you're saying about these poor choices at general manager. Another thing that needs to stop is stop making these coaches your GM as well. Being a coach in the NFL is probably the most strenuous among all the sports because you have all these X's and O's to deal with, especially if you're, say, like Bill O'Brien running the offense. So you're running the offense and you're managing the team and you're and you're uh, managing emotions. You know, it's a lot to do just there. And then you want him to even make calls and make trades. How can you expect them to perform at their highest level in that case? So not only do they did Bill O'Brien was he. Not only was he not cut out for the role of GM, but you have to think that he was overburdened with all these tasks as being the coach as well. So that negatively affected his uh, decision making as well. So, yeah, get unless it's Bill Belichick, who's just a monster, just enough with this coach being the GM. You see it in Vegas, too, with I know Mike Mayock's there, but John Gruden has a huge influence on the decisions and their drafts have been horrendous they've been taking players who most people had like let's say in the first round they've been reaching by like 30 picks on some of the players they've made shocking people watching who expected that player that they picked to go maybe second round so yeah coaches gm gotta go yeah see uh it's a good point i was gonna actually bring up belichick because isn't it always just a uh, coaching, tr- uh, Belichick coaching disciple that gets both, gets handed both? I'm looking at Josh McDaniels right now. I think he had free reigns over the whole. Yeah, he, yeah, he had, he was a GM too when he went to Denver. And what did he do? His first order of business? Hmm, let me kick out the franchise quarterback because he's, he's, uh, he's, you know, probably a little bit arrogant and cocky, and maybe he didn't. Uh, want to conform to my system oh and i'm a genius let me i could just plug in any quarterback there i'll put in kyle orton yeah okay he trades cutler who helps the bears go to the nfc championship i mean cutler was hyped coming out of college he he had a decent career but i think most people thought he'd have a better career than what he showed but he was still good and that trade was horrific well, you know why that probably happened. Josh McDaniels, all hard ass, saw Cutler yeah. smoking butts on the sideline. He's like, "Come on, get this guy out of here." Yeah, exactly. But sometimes you, there's players who just they don't have the best work ethic, but they still find a way to get it done. So it's like Phil Kessel in hockey. He's not in the best shape, but he finds a way to produce. There's just some guys like that. Just let him be. Whatever. Don't go too hard on them. I guess. Well, at least don't trade them. He was a good quarterback at the time, and they trade him, and they start using Kyle Orton. Yeah, so this is what I was going to mention. The best part is they trade 
this like low energy Jay Cutler and then draft Tim Tebow, like hardworking oh, like college yeah. superstar, yeah. you know, yeah. great decisions being made by these GMs. Yeah. And they probably were like, you know what, after Cutler, let's get a good role model for the room. He's going to be our new quarterback, Tim, Tim Tebow. Yeah. Awful. Can't yeah, really- believe that run he had. It was so ugly and they were winning these ugly, like, low scoring games well when's he going to become uh fantasy relevant this season uh, let's go it'll be cool if they uh use them like Taysom hill in new orleans i think that's what they're probably going to do that's the only way it makes sense to me to bring him in as a tight end like he'll have some kind of special play design oh you know it'd be so ugly if you draft let's say james robinson or travis etienne but let's say James Robinson stays as, say, the goal line back, and it's like they're on the 10, first and goal. Robinson just ran for 25 yards, and he's on the field. But in comes Tim Tebow to take the touchdown. I could absolutely see that happening. What a dream that would be for every fantasy owner out there. Yeah, and they're going to sell all these Tim Tebow jerseys in Jacksonville. They already did. Did they? He's selling like crazy. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. Right after he got he signed, he became like the hottest jersey in the market. Oh my god. Well, hey, he works his ass off. He doesn't give up. I gotta credit him there. Trying for the Mets, continuing to try and try and trying to stay in the league after he left the Broncos. He went to the Jets. What he did he go to the Eagles too for for like uh training camp, I think, or something. Yeah, with uh Chip Chip Kelly. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Jacksonville could have a pretty exciting offense, though. Less than 24 hours after signing his one-year contract, Tebow already had the best-selling jersey in NFL men's, women, and youth sizes. In fact, the top five items on NFL shop are all Tebow's number 85 jerseys and men's and women's T-shirts donning his number. Insane. It could be a bunch of factors. Could be he was a, a superstar in college and he had like a cult following. And then maybe there's a small minority who thinks that he didn't get a fair shake in the NFL because, you know, he won the division title and then they moved on from him right away. Obviously, I don't agree with that, but there might be some people who think that way. And then the fact that he'll be playing in Florida and that's where he balled out in college. For me, if I'm a, a Jaguars fan, I'm getting a Lawrence jersey. I'm not even thinking oh. about Tebow. Yeah. Anyway, like, I yeah, I, I can't g- believe that. They even just drafted a, the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, a guy who's been projected to be the top in his class, I mean, since he was a freshman, basically. We've been hearing about, oh, when's Trevor Lawrence coming for, like, it seemed like three years. And now he's finally here. He, you you get lucky that the Jets go and beat the Rams or, Ra- or Raiders, whoever it was, uh, Rams, and lose their number one pick. And you have Lawrence, and you're buying a Tim Tebow jersey instead? Wow. Well, I'm going to the NFL shop right now. I got to make sure about this. Because honestly, I think this might not be true anymore. Because ah. that was May 21st. Probably like right when the news got out and they just started to really uh, buy his jersey and then that was it. I know some people thought he'd get cut 
and it's just a camp body, but I don't think so. I think he's here to stay. You have Urban Meyer. He's going to find a way to use Tebow. Okay, we have a Tebow sighting. He is eighth. Eighth still. Well, right in between Josh Allen and Tom Brady. That's his <laughs> right place. That is still crazy. Justin crazy. Fields is there at uh, two, three, and four. Looks like Harry has purchased them all. <laughs> Wow, two, three, and four. Everyone loves Justin Fields. A lot of people really love him. Well, he could be like the Deshaun Watson of yeah. this draft. You know, he I just, could see it. I could see it sliding down and just falling out. Are you taking him this year? I definitely would target him in in one quarterback league. So he'll, he'll be available late. You know, he has dual threat ability. He can add some rushing yards. He was the consensus uh, number two quarterback until this year. And it wasn't like Trey Lance balled out. He played one game. It wasn't like Zach Wilson. I mean, he had a great year, but that was his only great year. Justin Fields had a great year this year, and he had a great year every other year of his college career. He has more of a track record. So I'm not really sure why he fell. I guess maybe t uh, the Jets got enamored with the Wilsons, like, cannon of an arm and his mobility or they got they liked trey lance's size and his mobility but justin fields is definitely a target having said that i do like targeting trey lance too because i think he has the highest rush rushing upside out of all these rookie quarterbacks and then Tra trevor lawrence is trevor lawrence i mean he could do what justin herbert did last year that's within his range of outcomes and Zach Wilson, even though he went second overall, some people are really sleeping on him because a lot of draft analysts had him behind Lance and Fields. So they're really avoiding him. But Wilson is slated. He's guaranteed to start day one. Trey Lance and Justin Fields, there's risk that he might not play day one. So Zach Wilson's a nice value. He's a, he's a player I like to target in those best ball drafts because Believe it or not, they they take Justin Fields pretty high in that best ball. Like he goes, um, he's going ahead of Tua, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield right now, who are starters already. And you know the Bears might be stupid and start Andy Dalton for the first couple of weeks, so that's a risk. But he's still going ahead of those other quarterbacks. And Trey Lance is going even higher. He's going higher than Matt Ryan right now in these best ball leagues. Because uh, team players are enamored with his rushing ability and playing for a Kyle Shanahan offense with Debo Samuel and Kittle and Ayuk, which, which is making me avoid Trey Lance in those formats because he's going too high. I'd rather just wait and take a chance on Tua or, or Daniel Jones or Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson's guaranteed to start day one. But in the formats most of us play, Yes, Justin Fields won't go that high in those formats unless he balls out in preseason and the Bears announce him as a starter. Then you could see him going like in the 16 to 18 range, like where Trevor Lawrence, like probably neck and neck with Trevor Lawrence if we know that he's starting right away. So he's the only one of these quarterbacks that has the upside to get to Trevor Lawrence, you're saying no, this year? No, no, sorry, oh, I'll Wilson. clarify. Uh, I think... I think Trey Lance has that ability too because he'll be playing with Kyle Shanahan. I don't, I'm not so sure that 
Zach Wilson has that. The only reason I like going with him is that he, especially in those best balls, he gets drafted like 60 picks later than Justin Fields for, and um, and Trey Lance. So, hey, maybe he's a stud and everyone is wrong in thinking Fields and Lance are better than him. So that's just a case of just playing the value and going with the cheaper price. But I don't think Zach Wilson could have a will have a Justin Herbert like year. I think Justin Fields and and Trey Lance because of how much they can run that they could they could put up really nice uh fantasy numbers especially down the stretch cuz I saw San Fran's schedule and Trey Lance has just a such an easy schedule in the playoff uh rounds in the fantasy playoffs so they um Lance and Fields has, have more upside in year 1 but Wilson but they probably have the similar floor. So that's what I'm saying with wait, just waiting and taking Wilson. Plus, like the Jets upgraded that receiving core. Corey Davis is a decent possession receiver. And the rookie they drafted, Elijah Moore, in the second round, is uh, a lot of people loved him because of his route running ability. He could win in the slot and on the outside, and he can make big plays. And apparently, he's absolutely balling out right now in OTAs I know it's OTAs but to me it's more exciting when you see someone like a rookie do something there than someone uh who are we mentioning earlier there Jordan Love well I mean he's sort of a rookie but I guess I contradicted a little bit there but it's just nice to hear any we we take it with a grain of salt a little bit but it is nice to hear even just a little blurb like that yeah, the difference between those two is that, you know, Jordan Love might be, you might be being sold something there. You know, it might be just a tactic by the front office to help with their negotiations with Rodgers. That's a good point. That's a really good point. They could be just hyping up Jordan Love in an effort to uh, get those Aaron Rodgers trade negotiations uh, going or maybe hope that it lights a fire under Rogers' ass or something like that. That's a good point. But, uh, and then you have the jets there. They, they brought in uh, an offensive coordinator uh, who worked under Kyle Shanahan, um, Lafleur's brother, Matt Lafleur's brother, the green Bay's head coach to be their new offensive coordinator. So they're going to be putting in, I think he worked with Sean McVay actually last year, but he's still like the Shanahan coaching tree. So, That'll be uh, an upgrade, in my opinion. You could, you could see their running game improve, and then Wilson. You have uh, they want. Oh, I read they want to prioritize receivers who excel after the catch, and Elijah Moore does that, and Corey Davis can do it as well. But that's made Denzel Mims, their second-year receiver, fall down the depth chart. So a lot of uh, fantasy players were debating between Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and uh, Denzel Mims. They're all around. They're all bunched together in ADP. But now we're getting news that Elijah Moore is really ascending, and Denzel Mims is really falling behind because he doesn't really fit the scheme. He's not as good racking up yards under after catch. So that's some big news there that came out. So it'll be think, interesting to see. Do you think this is a year where Corey Davis can become, you know, maybe over a thousand yards, really? let loose in this new new offense new scheme fresh start yeah he definitely could like he showed signs last year he, he played well he was actually 
aside from touchdowns, he wasn't too far off from AJ Brown's um, overall numbers. I mean, he's a big possession receiver. He got 984 yards last year. He could definitely go over a thousand this year because, you know, you have Elijah Moore still a rookie. Denzel Mims falling down the depth chart. Uh, Jamison Crowder might be a cut candidate. He's holding out and he's not part of, he wasn't brought in by, it's a new regime who didn't bring him in. So you could see him get cut in an effort to give Elijah Moore more snaps. So it'll be between Davis and Moore as for targets. And you definitely could see Davis get over a thousand yards. I don't think he'll be like that total stud that you would expect that you draft fifth overall, but he'll be a, a solid possession receiver for them. For sure. I noticed you tweeted that uh, you missed out on the last. Oh yeah. That, yeah. That was today. So uh, in one of those best ball drafts, I really wanted Elijah Moore, and he went um, probably like a bit above his ADP. I wasn't expecting him to get drafted yet. I thought he would fall to me at that pick. And then I didn't like the receivers that were there. I do like so I took Terrace Mar Terrace Marshall, who's a rookie on the Panthers. And the reason I took him is because a lot of respected draft analysts I've seen really liked him coming into the draft number one. Number two, he went to LSU, and so did Joe Brady, Carolina's offensive coordinator. That's where he coached. So you got to think there's a sense of familiarity there. He knows this kid. He's like, he probably pounded the table. Let's get this guy. He's he's good. So, so with that in mind, you, you, you have to think he's going to make every effort to get him as involved as possible in the offense, even as a rookie. And he's a big body receiver. He could be a red zone threat and rack up touchdowns. So I took him there even though I liked Elijah more, more, but then I want, I didn't like the other receivers there. And then because this is a best ball and you want to stack, I was thinking like, okay, I'll take Denzel Mims and then draft Zach Wilson late to back up Jalen hurts, who I also have. And the idea there is that when you take a, a quarterback who could be elite in these best balls, you don't want to take three quarterbacks because generally your quarterback who's in the elite to upper tier is always going to be your highest scoring quarterback, especially one like Hertz, who's going to just rack up rushing yards. So you want to just take two quarterbacks and I wanted to take one really late. So I was going to go with Wilson. So then when Moore was gone, I'm like, and so Davis was gone as well, just FYI. So I'm like, okay, Denzel Mims, People liked him coming into his rookie year. He didn't show too much, but that offense was a dumpster fire. So let me take Denzel Mims. And then, honestly, like five minutes later, I read a tweet that he's fallen down the depth chart. He's running with the second stringers. And it's because he's not as good uh, at racking up yards after the catch. He's more of a contested catch receiver. And that's not the style preferred by the new regime. So you could see him sort of have a real sophomore slump and just fall out of favor there. So I really regret that pick. But, hey, you never know. Yeah, that's what happens in the draft. You just never know what's going to happen. But yeah, especially that. this is a slow draft that news rolls in. So No, I honestly, I have no idea how you do those things just all day. Just Yeah, it's a love or hate. I mean, it's a, you either tolerate them or you hate them. He's talking People, about, uh, you're talking about slow drafts that happen. They could happen, like, take up an entire week. 
maybe a month well has, they could take a month yeah you see like this is just too much that's too much imagine yeah, thinking about a draft for a month i can't think of that i can't i know i uh, get it i know i get it i get why people wouldn't like it and the reason i do it is just because the the reason i kind of don't mind it is because during the work day it's kind of a nice uh distraction and it's something to look forward to throughout the work day and you know that's always good break. to admit yeah <laughs> you you have a break and then okay i'm gonna see if i pick now okay i don't pick yet let me check again on my next break oh i do pick okay let me use five minutes to make my pick i'm not there like looking when i'm not picking and mapping everything out because that would be too much but i uh yeah i like just the it's like a little bit of entertainment throughout the week do you do most of your research like maybe right before your pick or do you just have a general idea i have a general idea of who i want there and then i'll just do last bit of like as a tiebreaker between two players who i would like so in the case of elijah moore at that stage i wanted a rookie receiver i didn't want someone like paris campbell who's a third year receiver who did nothing last year because he was injured there there were receivers like that available so i'd rather go with the rookie so I knew I wanted a rookie and I knew there were two of them there that I liked and in Marshall and Moore. So I wanted to pick both of them, but then Moore was gone. So I had to go to Denzel Mims, who I'm not a fan of. I don't like that pick at all. So, well, where in the depth chart is he now? Do you think he's dropping all the way to four? The tweet that I read said that he's running with the second stringers with uh, Keelan Cole. With, so you got to think they have Corey Davis. They have Elijah Moore. They have Mims, they have Cole, they have Crowder who would be ahead of Mims and Cole, but he's sitting out and he's probably not going to be in the team's plans this year. So Mims is, is likely like the number three or four, basically. I feel like Mims would need Corey Davis to miss time in order to have some value now because it looks like it's going to be the Davis and Moore show. Are the Jets really going to be fantasy relevant? Are we really going to take Jets players this year? They'll be one of the worst teams, but their offense should be improved. They're going to be forced into catch-up situations. Their defense is okay. I mean, it should be improved. You got Robert Saleh there, and it, it could be better than expected, but someone has to catch the ball. So there's going to be someone who could be, let's say, at worst, a, a wide, they, there could be a wide receiver three that emerges from the offense for sure. And there could be two, like Corey Davis and Elijah Moore both can emerge to be wide receiver threes. Like we see some bad teams still give us fantasy uh, value. Like, okay, so Washington had a terrible offense last year. You know, four quarterbacks started for them. So Terry McLaurin was still a good receiver. So, you know, I know it's not always, uh, doesn't always feel good to, take a wide receiver on a bad offense on a bad team, but they still, the points are going to come from somewhere. So is there going to be like a wide receiver one that comes from the jets? No, but someone like a wide receiver three who could help you on a, um, on a short-term basis, especially in deeper leagues or in best ball leagues. Yeah, they could, there could be, but in, in our bigger home leagues, which are more shallow, and we play in a league with that has either two receivers and two flexes or three receivers and a flex. 
then you're going to see players like Corey Davis be bench players for you that are sort of wide receiver fours who you might plug in on a bye week or in a good matchup. So in a league like that, where most people play, they're good bench depth. And I'd rather in that case, I'd rather go with Elijah Moore over Corey Davis, just because he's a flashy new toy. You know, we not, we haven't seen him yet. Who knows? What if he's a monster? We've seen what Corey Davis is. It's more like betting on floor by drafting Corey Davis, especially in those types of leagues. So in that style, I would go after Elijah Moore rather than Corey Davis. Yeah, Elijah Moore sounds like he's going to do something that's – I don't know. Is he going to be the best wide receiver in this, in this draft? Do you think he's going to be a little shaky shock oh, well. for this this season? Now, obviously, I don't, that's, ob, that's obviously like a hefty question there. But in terms of is he going to be the – let's say is he going to be the best Jets fantasy receiver in the last five years, ten years? In the last 10 years, we have to th- have to think back. So who have they had recently? They've had... If we go ten, but if we go 10 years, that, that might count Brandon Marshall when he was there. So mm. no, he won't. Yeah. He won't um, surpass that. If we talk the last five years, well, they had Robbie Anderson. Let's look at Robbie Anderson real quick. I remember one year he was pretty decent. He put up... He helped me in the fantasy playoffs. But okay, one year... In his second year, he put up 941 yards on 63 catches, and he had seven touchdowns. You know, I can definitely see Elijah Moore doing that. I could see it for sure. He's really talented. He He's polished. He, he's ready to make an Im- immediate impact. So I can I can see him equal, uh, maybe surpassing those totals for sure. That's, that's more towards his ceiling, though. Yeah, of course. That's... Yeah. But... To go back to what you're saying about best rookie in this class and, and most production in year one, no, I can't. I would say probably he could be neck and neck with Rashad Bateman of the Ravens, but I don't think he'll pass Jamar Chase, who's just an, a monster, who's like a top-tier receiving uh, prospect. People think that he would have went first among receivers, even in the previous draft with Justin Jefferson and C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. So not even though the Bengals have uh, T Higgins and and Tyler Boyd already there, I still think Chase will be either first or best or second best rookie receiver in terms of year one production. And the other one, of course, is your boy Devonte Smith. He's he's got a clear path to being the wide receiver one. He doesn't have to contend with studs like Higgins and Boyd like Chase does. He doesn't have to deal with. Uh, an offense that used to be run heavy and is now transitioning to a more balanced offense in the Ravens like Bateman does. And he doesn't have to deal with being just the jets and jets are going to jet like Elijah Moore does. So Devontae Smith definitely has a path to being the top rookie receiver in terms of year one production. I mean, Jalen Rager has some potential. It could be a deep threat, but Devontae Smith is going to likely silence the doubters who question his weight and question his late breakout age and question his late declare to the draft and the only concern is that with Jalen Hurts maybe they're they're um they don't pass too much they run the ball more but hey I looked at 
That's what I originally thought, but I looked at Jalen Hurts' game log last year, and there are, I think, a few where he threw like 30-plus passes. So Devontae Smith is going to be the top target there. I'm confident that he leads the Eagles in targets. But what do you think? Do you think he Devontae Smith leads the Eagles in targets, you as the Eagles fan? Yeah, I think for sure. I think yeah. it's going to be hard for him not to, especially knowing Hurts from the past. Rager looking more as as the slot option. I honestly, I think Devonte Smith has a chance to really have like a Deshaun Jackson type rookie year for us. But you know, I, to me, it's all week one. I'm tired of waiting, watching training camp and saying like, Oh, like this, remember you were talking about um, wide receivers in training camp and last year, Jalen Rager was being talked up in training camp. How wow. he was like easily the most, athletic uh, wide receiver we had now granted our wide receivers aren't that great with him but that was that was the running conversation is that wow he's jumping over everybody he's really showing off why they drafted him and then we all know what happened there's obviously time but like you said he has Devontae Smith has a clear clear way to get to that wide receiver one. So I think he would be, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the best fantasy rookie. I obviously hope he is, but. You know what? I think I'm going to, after what we've just said and just really looking at it, I have to rank Devontae Smith as the top rookie wide receiver this year, even over Jamar Chase. And the reason for this is one, like we said, Smith has, a clear path to being the top target on his team. Chase has to deal with Higgins and Boyd. Higgins is a stud. Boyd is solid in his own right. Number two, I've actually mentioned this in one of my articles about the uh, Bengals wide receivers, is that Joe Burrow's coming off a torn ACL. He tore it in November. And quarterbacks coming off torn ACLs, either they start off a little slow or the team runs the ball a little more to um, get them to keep them comfortable as they uh, act, uh, readapt to the speed of the NFL. And, you know, the Bengals offensive line has question marks. They don't want to get them killed out there. So, and they've already, there's always, there's already been a report that they want to get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands more quickly. So I think they're going to really lean on Joe Mixon a lot in the early going, at least. And then you have the fact they have three really good targets compared to the Eagles with, they have one, uh, like they have Dallas Goddard he's great Zach Ertz is like is likely gone uh and they have Jalen Rieger who has some potential but it's nothing compared to what Chase is dealing with in Cincinnati so I'm going here on record saying Devontae Smith will be the top rookie fantasy wide receiver over Jamar Chase Frank you know since you said that too about his uh, Joe Burrow's knee injury I also I went to check it out and it was his left knee so that's the planting knee he's probably going to have some sort of an more of an issue i guess than if it was his right let's see if that like causes any causes any issue yeah that's that's a good point and and the fact that he tore it in november gives him less recovery time than if he had earlier in the year so it just didn't it's just a risk 
it's just sort of something you can use as a tiebreaker. Okay, you love two players, but hey, one of them has a quarterback coming off a torn ACL. So I'm going to pick the other one. That's just basically what it comes down to. And I like the point that you made about Jalen Hurts really having familiarity with the uh, Devontae Smith. That's definitely a plus. He's going to be, Smith will be Hurts' go-to look. That's going to be his guy. And yes, Devontae Smith I will be the top rookie in my opinion. So I'd rank them as the, like this. I'd go number one, Smith. Number two, Chase. Number three, Bateman, because I think he'll emerge as the top target in Baltimore. And I think Baltimore is really making a big effort to help Lamar develop as a passer by surrounding him with better receivers and transitioning to more of a balanced offense. They've already said this in reports, and they've already showed you their hand by their offseason moves, signing Sammy Watkins, drafting Rashad Bateman in the first round, and then another receiver in in the fourth round in Tylen Wallace. So I think Bateman will be the top target there, and they'll pass more. And then number four, Elijah Moore, like we talked about, I think he'll at least be the number two in, in New York, and he's a really pro-ready player. And then fifth, I, the other receiver I talked about, Terrace Marshall. And I think these are the only five rookie receivers who will make enough of a fantasy impact to make them fantasy relevant across all formats. The others, I'm not too... I mean, okay, we have Jalen Waddell, but I think he. I think we could see a similar situation to Henry Ruggs with Jalen Waddell. You know, he's more of a deep threat. He's not that type of target hog like Devonte smith or jamar chase or even bateman or more and the dolphins already have will fuller who plays a similar game and they have Devonte parker so waddle i think will be that volatile deep threat type who i'm i'm avoiding in drafts because of uh because of that volatility i'd rather go for more and i'd rather go for marshall then you even i forgot to mention rondale moore on the on uh, Arizona who could be that jack of all trades type of wide receiver maybe lines up in the backfield maybe get some carries he can excel in the screen game he can make some of an impact I just like the other five that I've listed ahead of those two I'd probably go Waddle six and more seven those final the, the latter two would be more in deeper leagues or in best balls I know they're actually ranked higher like Waddle and more, Rondell Moore, I think, have a higher ADP than Elijah Moore and Terrace Marshall. But I think I'd rather go for Moore and Mar- Elijah and Marshall. Well, you heard it here first. On the Fantasy Jones podcast, we got Frank saying that Devontae Smith is going to be the number one wide receiver, rookie wide receiver in fantasy football. Wow. Frank. I'll make you happy. Oh, make me very happy. Frank, thanks you so much for this information. We love it always. This is <laughs> this is like uh this sprinkles on a nice on a nice cupcake. But what are you <laughs> what are you up to this weekend, Frank? What do you got? Well, you know, hyped for the Euro Cup soccer tournament to start, you know. Uh hoping Italy does well. They have they have a probably their best team in years. They look great in qualifying and in all forms of competition, and they've been unbeaten over 20 games. Uh, they have a group 
a pretty easy group. So we'll see what happens, but it'll be exciting to watch. I, I've always been meaning to get into the domestic leagues more, but I haven't done it. But I do love international tournaments and I try to really get up to speed with who who's uh who's in form and which players had great season just so at least i can get more of a sense of the teams and make the tournament more enjoyable and uh we'll we'll get a chance together hey to watch some of these games this weekend restrictions are lifting in ontario this weekend and uh, we're very happy people oh yeah but uh, another question who did you pick in your as the champion Who's winning? I know I know this is going to sound like I'm some biased homer, but I'm I like to think of myself as the most unbiased fan there is of any sport. I am pretty neutral, you know. Just today as a Washington fan, I'm saying don't draft Terry McLaurin this year. So if that doesn't show that I'm unbiased, I don't know what will. Having said that, my pick is Italy to win the Euro Cup. And I'll tell you why. They have a young team. They have an excellent midfield. Uh, their coach is great. They're on top form, having been unbeaten in 20 games. They're coming into this tournament with a chip on their shoulder. This is a nation who didn't qualify for the World Cup. I think that was the only time in the history that they didn't qualify. And then before that, you know, since winning the World Cup in 2000, 2006, they've crashed out in the group stage, I believe, in every other World Cup. But then... In one of the Euros, they did go to the uh, finals. They did better in the Euro. It was more the World Cup where they really struggled. But I think coming off missing the World Cup, you're going to see them really come out flying. And we mentioned uh, in the group stage, they all three of their games are at home. So they have a real chance to just cruise through the group stage. And then I think they're poised to go on a deep run. So that's my pick. And I think they will play England in the finals. I think England's ready to go deep. We saw them have a nice run in the World Cup. They're flush with young talent, and they're definitely one of the favorites. So my pick is Italy over England. Well, I got to finish my bracket, Frank. I'll be doing it right after this. But right now, I am leaning towards a Portugal-France type thing going on. Uh, But I'm really intrigued to see what England's about to do. Because I yeah. think after that World Cup, they ignited all their fans again, like just gave them a piece of a True. little taste of winning close, very close. And they That's have great. a better team now, much better. I think, well, it's just a much better team. Anyway, I think someone has to beat France. Yeah. Until for sure. like for me to see it being possible. Now uh, they have Benzema, you know. It, yeah. Well, Conte looks like he's on a on a uh, on a ride to just win every main title there is. Yeah, what a beast. Yeah, he's on he's on form. Anyway, Frank. It was a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Fantasy Jones podcast. Keep up with The Fantasy Jones on Twitter and Instagram at The Fantasy Jones. And coming soon, thefantasyjones.com.